next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Dalton, coming up today on Building the Future. One of those oddest ways to describe the kind of teenager I was was a troubled child, or I'd say I was a bit of an anarchist, right? I definitely didn't feel like I fitted into the society I was in. But the goal is for you to be able to steal, No, the goal is you can steal, but should you steal? Or there are people who get so good at playing the game that other people watch them play the games and they're streaming on YouTube. And they make money from that. And that's a livelihood. Do you have um, African game millionaires yet? We're getting there. You should mark this date on your calendar, 21st to 22nd November 2017. That's when I'm hosting the second series of High Growth Africa Summit. Last year, the High Growth Africa Summit 2016 was lit. We had over 350 entrepreneurs and investors across Nigeria, other African countries, UK and US. And we had loads of great speakers. This year, it's going to be bigger and better. It's happening in Lagos. We expect to gather more than 750 entrepreneurs and investors. This is not your average conference. The focus will be about learning how to build, scale, and fund your own business in Africa. There will be workshops, seminars, and masterclasses on practical stuff like how to validate a startup idea, how to grow your business through digital marketing, how to hire and manage a software development team, key questions investors will ask you before taking a meeting. The sessions will be taken by entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and have battle scars to show, and investors who are currently taking big risks on African startups. To attend this conference, you need to register at highgrowthafrica.com. That is H-I-G-H-G-R-O-W-T-H-Africa.com. It's happening on the 21st to 22nd November 2017 in Lagos, Nigeria. The ticket is less than $30 for general pass and $100 for the investor pass. But the ticket price goes up as we get closer to the conference. Go to highgrowthafrica.com and register now. That is H-I-G-H-G-R-O-W-T. Africa.com and register now. My guest today is Paul Zian. He's the founder of Netcore, a digital entertainment studio in Accra. Netcore aims to tell the African story through games and comics. Although I don't particularly play computer games, but I understand its importance as the bedrock of a lot of digital revolutions we see now. Graphics, video, gamification of product through viral loops. All of these have their basis in computer games. And I believe what Paul is doing is part of the future we are building in Africa. We had this interview in Accra, Ghana. I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope you will too. Hello, Paul. Welcome to Building the Future. Thank you very much. Paul uh, is someone who's introduced to, to me by Hammer and we've just been chatting for some time now and then it's very interesting you building something that a lot of People that are not nerds or geeks, we find what is that about? It's basically you've been in a community of gamers, people that are probably playing games or also building games in Africa. And I think that is something about and the game community that people that are outside the community don't appreciate, which is the game community that the bedrock of most of the technology exactly. innovation that we right. see now. A lot of those innovators and whereas Mark Zuckerberg or all those techie guys said they were intrinsically game gamers and then some of the ideas around uh, playing games and building games and gamification and virality right, right. and stickiness of the product they actually apply it in and uh, the real life product as well so 
I don't play games a lot. You should. I don't, you should. I don't, it's a damn shame. I don't have the patience <laughs> to learn how to go from one step to another. I get frustrated if I right. can't play the game right and I leave. But I do appreciate what the gaming industry and the gaming community has done to technology and, and are pushing the boundaries right. of uh, what it is. Artificial intelligence, virtual reality, graphics, graphics simulations. And it's, yeah, and, it's yeah, all there. It's just a bedrock. So it's been interesting to talk to you about that. So let's start from the beginning. What? Apart from you being a teenager and getting interested in games, what led you to what you're doing now? So I would say um, one of the most honest ways to describe the kind of teenager I was was a troubled child. Or I would say I was a bit of an anarchist, right? I definitely didn't feel like I fitted into the society I was in. I felt like everybody was myopic. That's like the nicest word I can find. And I just, well, I knew whatever I wanted, it wasn't here. And uh, well, I was just very distraught. But then the one activity I kept going back to that sort of like was my Zen, was video games. And I would say in terms of profound media, I've had more profound experiences from video games than from books or movies or music, because that is what video games are, the consolidation of audio, video, and emotional experiences, and people really underplay that. And now that geeks are becoming superstar CEOs, they're playing video games over a drink, it's becoming like the UN Donald Trump having a round of golf. Interesting. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's... That's what some of these geek CEO does. Yeah, basically, that's other. our golf, you know? You so know, just... Play games so together that's where you go and, and socialize. Yeah. But I find it really interesting that it's not really a social experience playing games. Actually, it is. Two people holding console, looking at the screen and shouting at the screen sometimes and com- super competitive mm-hmm. which, and just talk. I don't see that as very community. Right, right. But then you'd have to... Community and kind of social compared to having a drink and then chatting over drinks and debating and maybe food and stuff. So the community aspect comes from how games are built these days, right? Because you play a game where you play team versus team and it's five people versus five people using characters with different abilities that counter or enhance each other and you have to work as a team. Think of it like football on steroids, right? Where Ronaldo could run five times as fast, but only for five seconds. And you have to like pick and match players that you'd want to play with. And then you'd also like, just like any other sports, when it becomes a team game, there's team synergy. You play better with some people, you play not so well with some people and you get to meet and you have a mic, you can talk to some kid in Japan that you wouldn't have met. And the okay, so there's well. that bit of you exactly. uh, playing with people that you don't and exactly and that could either go really great or you just don't care enough right but you could meet somebody that you and him really hit off you add a person to your friends list on xbox or psn and steam and i'll even like i have a lot of friends i've never met before i've had we have a lot of supportive people like whenever we try to fundraise or like we're looking for ideas for stuff we have people from all over so it's not even like we're just strictly African. We are like here in Africa, so we're focusing on African gamers, but it's very easy to splash over and other people find it refreshing to play with people from a part of the world that they've only been told is full of lions and elephants. So so you, you know? have lots of a network of people that play games across Africa that you connect with. Why? Yeah, across Africa. Zambia, uh-huh. South Africa, Nigeria, especially. There's a lot of Nigerians on our network. Nigeria and uh, a couple of other countries from South Africa, Egypt, you know, so we have people all around. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get 
not just the nerds, but also the people who aren't nerds to realize that they are already gamers without thinking about it because when they're on their way from work and they open up Candy Crush or Bejeweled just to while away the time, it's still the same thing. And the way gamification and augmented reality is going, we'll all be playing video games without even realizing that we're playing video games. Okay, so tell me about it. I know a little bit about it, but I don't mm-hmm. know the details of how gaming and the structure and the architecture of game and the augmented reality levels, the competitive levels have actually been impacting the way products right. or like social media or right. even normal products are built and how that gamification has So you're very close. Yeah, you are very close and you're very spot on because uh, I would say games are built from... I can take it from two or three layers where there's the technical standpoint where you're looking at the technology that goes into it, your network protocols, how people communicate with each other, how data packets are sent so that if I press a button in Ghana, you would experience it in real time in the UK or America with minimum delay. There's the, there's the graphics and all that. That's the technical layer. And then you come onto the user experience layer where um, years and years of psychology go into these things where like people understand, developers understand how people react to color, sound, there's basic game theory where it's actually like a thing you learn where for example if two hunters um, of equal skill level there's like a scenario these are the kind of conditions that you want to create if two hunters are in the forest would it make sense for them to hunt separately and hunt rabbits or come together and hunt bigger the game, game like an elephant or a deer and these are the kind of situations that you put people in and so you, you're really, it's really deep deep diving into the psychology of humans yeah, I mean, and what makes us advance exactly. as an hip or, uh, over other hip Exactly. Right. Would you create a collaborative uh, exactly. um, decision making about can we achieve a goal together or individual? Or will it be better to try and take out the other guy and then do it yourself? Yeah, yes. You really want to create that sandbox experience where it's not scripted. You're not forcing anyone to do anything, but you leave it up to their choices. And at the end of the day, a really good game for me is a game that makes you ask questions like, what kind of person am I? What kind of society am I in? And what kind of impact do I want to make? Do you, do you actually have to... Do you, does the game actually help you to ask those questions? Because sometimes there's some games that actually um, appeal to the base of humans, like maybe Grand Auto Theft, that actually just appeal to your survival instinct and our instinct to do selfish things. So I would say Grand Theft Auto is a game that has been very... Vilified. Yeah, because at the end of the day, is it a game or is it the people? Because the, well, but the goal game, is for you to be able to steal. Right? No, the it's goal not. is you can steal, but should you steal? Mm. Because you're not forced to do anything bad in the game. The missions in the game are, I wouldn't say linear, but they follow a certain story. And a lot of the things you're giving choice. You can either shoot up a van or just take a more stealthy route. So at the end of the day, it comes back to the player. Whether you want to go out and get a prostitute, you want to rob a bank, it's a lot of the things are left in the hands of the player. So I feel like the news or mass media just nitpicks what they want. Yeah, just but, but for it like looks like story. the goal of the game, maybe it has to do with the way the narrative was crafted to sensationalize it it's initially to sell it, which is, I played it maybe for a few seconds and I gave up because I couldn't <laughs> understand how to go from one level to another. It's not because I'm trying to be moralistic, it's just that I couldn't get right, out to, right, out right. to actually start a car or steal a car. <laughs> but I thought the goal of the game is for you to survive in the ghetto. And it's almost crafted that your survival is based on how fast you can steal and how fast you can do This is a stuff. game where you can get a job, save money and buy a car or steal a car. The is it is easier yours. to steal a car 
or work. It's easier to steal the car, even in real life. In real life. Okay, so it goes back to the fact that the it's game... It's a sandbox game and it's giving you the choice. It's just giving you the choice, exactly. which life gives as well. That so this, in this condition, it, exactly. you have X, Y, and Z. One is the hard do? way, one is the easy way, and you really want to get to... B, exactly. which one will you take? So it's human conditioning. So games allows you to facilitate that, those kind of deep questions about what kind of society do I want to live in? What kind of person am I? What kind of decision do I make under certain conditions? Exactly. And then you can even add a layer of human interaction because a lot of these games are also made, um, they're called MMORPGs. And that sounds like a lot, but it's just um, massively multiplayer online role-playing games where, you know, games like World of Warcraft, where the player population is the size of a small country. It's like um, 16 million people last I checked. They have their own sub-economy. They have their own culture. Like, it's crazy. Is that like Second Life? It's like Second Life, but bigger. And like, if you're talking about RPGs, like Asia is a completely different... What's RPG? RPG. It's a role-playing game. So like it's a game where you take the role of a character that you create and you basically have an avatar that's, you know, gets to do stuff. People get very popular online. Like it's a whole subculture. It's a whole experience right it's very hard to describe i mean from the outside looking in you think people are just wasting their time but how how much time do people waste, waste watching telenovelas or watching seven seasons of game of thrones or even um, spending time on twitter and facebook and exactly and looking at the same picture exactly and, and it's like people sending and you're mad at someone for sending differently Mm-hmm. But then it goes back to how do we are we spending our time now with lots of distractions? Yeah, is that another distraction for for us? Which is again, I, I don't see if there's any data to that. But I think this a lot of distraction that we have now is right. reducing pro- productivity and right. our ability to also think creatively on our own. And what it's going to give is that there will be few independent thinkers right. and every other person right. become consumers. So. The best answer I can give is it's a distraction, but it's a scalable one in terms of you can make it worth your time, you know, because there's some people who play games, get certain items in the games and sell them. Or there are people who get so good at playing the game that other people watch them play the games and they're streaming on YouTube. And they make money from that. And that's a livelihood, you know. People have so many viewers that they become their own little mini TV stations and people throw sponsorship at them like, hey, can you put my logo at the bottom of your YouTube screen. And, and what they do is, oh, they just play games and people are watching them. Well, when you say they just play games, then it just sounds like you're like looking down <laughs> in a building. Yeah, yeah, it's but the same. It's, it's the same, same way that we would watch people play football. I understand. Think about it, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I get it. So it's, it's entertainment. Yeah, it's entertainment exactly. to some people, right? And the same way football is one of the, actually it's should be the biggest. Or um, golf or tennis. Should be the biggest entertainment industry yeah. in the world and people pay a lot of money. It's an industry. It's and, actually getting there, it's yeah. a profession. So game is almost like a profession on its own. So that's what I mean by it's a scalable distraction, right? You could actually get good at it or you could actually get some benefits from it. You know, there's tournaments going on. That's the whole esports thing where people are actually playing games as a sport. The same way poker or tennis or not tennis, sorry, like chess (laughs) is being seen as a sport where there's teams and there's sponsorship and there's prize money. And that makes you playing games a bit more meaningful. Yeah, because brands want to have audience. And brands that that can aggregate audience. Exactly. Whether it's football, cricket or games. Exactly. So like it's the same model. People can transition into games development. People 
people can tra transition into content creation. And a lot of these games these days allow for the communities that play these games to make content and items for the games. So you as a player can create levels or skins or costumes and get paid for it. Okay, so, so you can create products. Exactly. Uh, so each game is creating its own little ecosystem and then these little ecosystems splash together when for example there's convention or an expo going on and these artists and all that come there's games are also very high production these days we have voice actors we have motion actors you know the guy who did luke cage yeah, yeah. Um, the guy who did the degree he also did the voices for a game called Halo, super popular, right? So you'd go to conventions to meet these guys. They could give you career advice, take pictures with you. And like, there's a lot of jobs within the industry. And again, from the outside looking in, it looks like we're just goofing around and we're having fun, but there's a lot of contents being created. There's a lot of consumerism going on and there's a lot there's of a lot commerce of going on. as well. Exactly. Exactly. Because... And another thing, like I'll just splash into another thing that I'm passionate about is we are not telling our stories, you know? Like when you think about African stories, it has to be some boring warrior if a spear and some witch that cares some village. You know, it's not like Marvel exciting. And if we don't tell our stories, eventually they'll come and tell it for us and they will whitewash it or wash it however they want to. And that's like one of the things that this is kind of why we decided to set up the studio. Because we feel like in terms of building the pyramid that is the ecosystem, that forms the base of it. So tell me about the studio. So, like I was telling you earlier before we started this, this started very organically. You know, it didn't start up like a, let's create a business as the startup dream where just all I know is I love video games and I'll play till I can't play anymore. <laughs> and then the startup scene here, you know, started kicking in and... I really wasn't aware of it. You know, I was just like, it's the only other event I'd go to. You know, I'd rather go to a hackathon than a party. I'd rather go to a Google I.O. than go to someone's wedding. Are you right? are you a developer? I used to be a web developer, yeah. But then I've transitioned mostly into games now. Oh, as in developing games? Yes. So... Um, do, what do you do in the game develop? You create the content or you write the code? I would say I fulfilled a jack-of-all-trades role for a while. But these days I'm settling into a creative director role. So I'm basically the one that everybody else is responsible to, whether it's the artists, the people who do music and all that. Yeah, so I started solo, so I basically had to do everything. Background, sound, but as you, as you slowly add more people, you can kind of delegate and then delegations after delegations, I ended up being the creative director. So if I have to step in and help audio, I step in and help if I have to. So I do two things. One, I look for money for projects. So that kind of makes me a production manager, I guess. And then So I'm who also, funds this project? Um, I, and what do they get? So I have developed an uncanny skill to aggregate my network for funds and also the community. And, okay. and most of the network is found in the community. So I basically like, so I was like, hey, we're working on this project. Does anybody want to pitch in? And I was like, yeah, sure. How what do they get in return for that? Uh, I think it's basically the satisfaction that they're part of the creation process because a lot of people would like to do this, but I guess life life, life in Africa never really presented them the opportunity to like study for games development and not everybody can kind of like strap on a hiking bag and jump into the world of being self-taught. So this is sort of like a second path to redemptions. Like, well, I can't be hands-on, but I can at least, you know, chip in and make it happen. Like be part of the creation process because production is a very important part of the creation process. So how many games have you produced so far? Created one. The first one was, I think, two years ago, but that was for the Global Game Jam. And that's sort of like speed. It's sort of more like a test of speed. And that was at a time where we didn't have a lot of 
experience yet. So we basically had a weekend to like craft a game and surprisingly we were able to do like a, a very good side scroller. So what was the um, it was game called about? Um, Fruitfall. Basically a fruit seller trying to catch fruit and the fruits were falling from the sky. It was just something crazy that we put up. And then... Um, it's after, not like one of those RPG games. No, no, no. We had just two days. So we had like very little time to like add more elements. But we went back into production for Fruitfall because some guys saw it and they were like, hey, how much do you guys need to develop this further and one discussion led to another so we're actually in development for a game for that we're in development for another game and two comic books in okay. the work so it's so, like so somebody listening to this a lot of mm-hmm. the listeners will be business um, entrepreneurs so startup and again going back to what I said about it what you can apply from the game psychology right. is right. virality stickiness right and making people to just want to continue exactly um, and this so what are the key aspect what are the key things that every game should have to make them successful i would say fiction fiction or lore that's one your core mechanics or gameplay and then i don't know if there was i would say marketing you know from a business standpoint but what are the key things that make games addictive you mean like okay that's more specific yeah you need to have very thought like a very well thought out reward system right and sometimes it skewers left or right but if your reward system is set up in such a way that people feel validated in putting in time and energy sometimes even money you find them coming back must be a proportional to what they are putting in. So in a way that yeah, uh, it's putting X amount of hours and I get this. Exactly. That's uh, why if you they they usually call it grinding when you are playing for a long time to reach a certain point. So I'm trying to get from level one to level ten. I have to grind for two hours but at the end of the day i'm rewarded with level 10 i get x amount of skills and i my name is put on the leaderboard of the most powerful player so it's like reward after reward after reward. and that's the same thing that education system is based on really. and that's the same thing social media is based on yeah the likes when someone hits a like button that's shut off well, i don't know what that thing is called when you're happy to bring yes yeah, so somebody was explaining that to me yesterday yeah. the same feeling that children have when they're embraced exactly by their mom Endomorphos and the muffins yeah. that comes out and say i'm loved it's exactly. the same feeling that people have when they have when their lights go up it's the same feeling when media. your character screen goes like you have just leveled up it's the same thing that comes up when it's like you've just defeated a boss it's the same feeling when games have achievements now like it rewards you for doing certain things in the game and it like pops up and makes a certain sound and whenever you hear that you know you've done something cool that everyone is going to be able to see on your profile the same way the same thing that facebook does you know so it's your rewards sometimes it's actually frustration that gets people to play the game like an example of fappy birds Right, but people get frustrated playing. But at the end of the day, you can post your score, and that kind of gives you a boost, you know. So I think if like I had to pick one thing, I would say your reward system needs to be very well thought of. And entrepreneurs can also build that into the so like Neil Ayol, uh, who writes the book about how to build addictive products. I'm paraphrasing it, and he's trying to templatize the game, what makes the best game successful, and use that as a template for any product. And that's basically the concept of gamification. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So that's kind of, that's, we're actually working on a product along those lines that I can't talk about yet, but I feel like that's our way, that's our iPhone, that's how we're going to break this whole market because it's very segmented and it's very hard to get people to do the same thing at the same time, you know? So we feel like some sort of a system that gets everybody to 
want to do the same things because the important thing is to get people to want to do it, not force them, not coerce them, not trick them. You need to make them to want so, to So do is this. there a place in Africa for RPG games that will actually help a lot of Africans to start thinking about what sort of society they want to build in the future and what you sort mean, of collaborations, are there games, are there games like that? There's a video game studio in Cameroon called, um, sadly I've forgotten, but they made a game called Orion. Right. It's um, one of the, I would say one of the best games to come out of Africa. It took them quite a long time to make it, but it's very good and it's fantasy based. So it kind of feels like Black Panther kind of thing, but again, very different. It feels like one of those games that you'd play out of Asia, actually. I think that's a very good place for Africans to start because all of the themes are African, right? It's about Prince was going to inherit the kingdom, like, and some somebody stepped, I think it's like half-brother or something stepped in, but it's not the typical cliche boring stories and there's basically people with avatar powers throwing ice and fire left and right and it has a really engaging storyline. I think it's well over 20 hours of core gameplay. How, do they, how are they monetizing that game? They're selling it. They're selling it. Yeah, so it's currently on Steam. Steam is a distribution platform for video games and um, they're able to get it on there. It's like the iTunes of games. Do you have um, African game millionaires yet? We're getting there. We're getting there because I don't think we've cracked the scale shell yet. And I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think we have enough local products or enough local marketplaces to actually know that for sure. But I will say there's a lot of gray markets in terms of retail and consumer electronics in terms of video games. But again, because it's gray markets, we can't really pinpoint how much money people are making. But I'm pretty sure like there's a lot of money in that. But there are a lot of techos. I was speaking to one top tech executive in mm. Lagos, um, I think early this year. And he was you know, trying to get more people to realize that the product and um, uh, telcos, the future is in data. It's not in voice or taxes and data. And video games consume a lot of data. And that's what he said. He said, so they are looking for content creators, especially in the gaming industry. They're to, all over the to, place. To they're all over the place. Content for them so that people can stay and use. So personally, within our community, we have guys who stream the games that they play, Ghanaians, Africans. So we... So part of what we do is we try and aggregate that and try and help them find an audience. And, you know, we help them um, with their setups because we've been doing this stuff for a very long time, even before we thought of making this, you know, like a sort of business. So we definitely have content creators. I think the next step, and that's something that we're planning to do, is to kind of bridge the gap between the content creators and the people looking for content creators. So again, that becomes another role that we're trying to facilitate. Is that what your uh, studio does now at the moment? Currently, our studios do a lot of things. We are making our own games and we are trying to design products and platforms that make it easier for everybody to sort of enjoy this lifestyle because there's serious lack of support from a lot of the companies that produce the things that they consume. But instead of whine and complain about it, we are kind of trying to fill the support hole because it does make business sense if support becomes money because... Um, People have items that are broken and support isn't covered in sub-Saharan Africa. We kind of take up that role. It's like, let us have a crack at it and we can fix it for you. And we actually can. The expertise isn't unreachable. We've been able to gather out a very skilled workforce. So right now what we are doing is, is we are scrap, we are um, crafting services and products that make sense to the African consumer instead of just, you know, taking something that works in California or like Japan and just trying to force it down the African gamer's throat. Yeah. So, and how do you monetize at the moment? 
before most of our revenue came from the events that we did, we do comic expos. We have um, conventions. All in Ghana. All in Ghana. We'll be moving out soon. We are looking at certain countries. So yeah, yeah, we had our conventions. We had we used to do tournaments, and that was along the lines of esports. But we decided to take a step back from that and focus more on other areas. We are currently we develop games and we develop games for people as well. So we get contracts to either build whole or parts of a product, which is you know it's really good. And then we also have our we have our store and our support outreach programs. So we have a place where people can buy items safely because if you went out into the market to get something and it's not working, those people don't have a return policy. What sort of items are you talking about? Here? Talking about controllers, receivers, okay. spare parts for your computer, graphics cards, all your geeky stuff. So, uh, And I also think there's a place where you can be consulting for business, for companies that want to build product and yeah, we have gamification yeah, of we, their product. We have been approached along those lines. So yeah, like I said, the studio is like, we're very busy and we are trying to, we're not in a hurry. We want to make sure that our core business and what we believe in is going to carry into the decades to come. You so know? how do you see the future of game industry in Africa playing out? It's of course, and this is premised on the assumption that we cannot replicate what is happening in Asia. Yeah, Africa uh, is definitely what the next... What sort of narrative yeah. are we building? On? So I feel like Africa is going to be the... It's definitely the next billion dollar market because, you know... For, for games. For everything. For everything, yes. yeah. yeah. But I feel like in terms of the gaming aspects, I feel like everything, our growth and skill is going to go hand in hand with other development factors. You know, even things like the currency has a heavy effect on the kind of things that gamers can do because a lot of the things that we do are pegged against the dollar and whether you have to import parts or whole consoles or whether you want to buy something on um on xbox or on the playstation store is going to be more or less expensive given the exchange rate how fast internet technology is growing heavily affects how people play online how and the talent as well available to, to develop the content the well. talent i think that would be I think that's a bit more independent from the macro. Okay. From the yeah, because I feel like a lot more people are looking out for different skills and that's definitely going to happen anyway. And I think the role that we have to play is to start getting video game curriculum into more traditional academia. Okay. You know, get it into universities, get it because like I generally hire attitude of a skill because I know there's no way you're going to learn how to make games in Ghana. But if you have the right skill, sorry, if you have the right attitude, you're humble, you're ready to learn, you can take a punch and it's like what you're doing sucks. You need to do this and you can take that and move on. Then you're definitely somebody I'd like to work with. So until there's somebody who has, you know, a degree in level design or like a degree in game theory that I can actually hold accountable. It's like you have learned this for four years. I don't need to hold your hand. Until that happens, we need to be, we, we actually need to push for that, get that into curriculum. Or else everybody who wants to do it needs to travel outside the country and that doesn't really... Did you, did you study outside the country? Nope. So you all made, in, yeah. all made in Ghana? Part of the internet. Part of the internet. Part of the internet. Did yeah, you go I, to university in Ghana? I did. Which the university? University of Education, whenever. Okay. So, and then what did you study? I studied, I studied accounting, shockingly. <laughs> so, partway through university, I decided to quit. You, so, you're one of the people that quit university? Yeah, I wasn't going anywhere. And now you became... An innovator in games and stuff. What does your parent think about you? Um, Just sit down in the basement playing games. 
yeah, that was like one of the hard hurdles. But I think after they see you on TV a few times, they kind of want to have a conversation about what you actually do. Yes. So yeah, so you go, okay, this is actually a job and like people get paid for this and this is what I'm going to do. So it's, yeah. That's so it, so like it's happening whether you support it or not. So Yeah. And, and again, like you said, it's, it's like the football initially. It wasn't professionalized until maybe 50 years ago. Or exactly. Like that. Exactly. And it was just hobby. And people that are dedicating their time doing it were not serious. But exactly. now it's but a now whole making, industry. Exactly. And, and it's one of the most powerful sports in the world. Would you believe me if I told you people who play video games are millionaires now? Of course, I would believe you because I know how the audience gathering and what people want to exactly. get to get access to those audience. Yeah, so when you're talking about it being a distraction, this was what I meant by it's a scalable distraction, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it's something that you can't take seriously and get something out of it. Or you could be a banker, but you still like playing video games and that's totally fine. Yeah. Or you could be an engineer and, and then you still Just like, like to you could be, you could be a, you could be a banker and be watching football and, and be supporting Same thing. As, exactly. Arsenal or Liverpool. So I'm going to close the podcast with a couple of questions. Sure. Um, right. Fire out questions. I uh, just need one sentence or two for that. So what is your biggest business pain point? Failing properly. Failing properly? Yeah. Why is failing a goal? So I feel like the way we perceive failure is very, very wrong. And I feel like it's more of iteration than failure. And when I say failure, I mean people like to talk about things that they want to do a lot. People like to talk about their plans, but like you never really execute. And until you execute, you never really know where to go next. So a lot of things that we're doing back then, I feel like a lot of things that we did two years ago, we should have been doing now, but we did it two years ago and we figured out a lot of things that we wouldn't have known any other way. So all this talk about building a studio, all this talk about consulting for, like it's stuff that we tried doing several years ago in different ways. But how we failure properly help you to do it better? Feeling properly helps you to iterate faster. It helps you to push out because, for so example... you can draw the right lessons example, from it. For example, in games, your launch can go very bad. Like, if you're launching an online game, your servers could crash. You could have too many people get into the server on day one. There could be, like, a horrible exploit that you didn't see in development. And how you fix that is... It's like based on how fast you can get a patch out and how fast you can push out an update to fix that. And that I feel is predicated on your ability to handle failure instead of like putting your hands on your head and like, oh, we messed up. Mm -hmm. You need to go like, okay, what's the problem? How do we fix this? And how do we turn this into a positive? So if you see every move in your business as an experiment... Where we see every, I wouldn't say experiments per se. I would see it's like you make every move expecting there to be a WTF factor that you're ready for. Expect the unexpected. Yeah. Because I feel like Africa has that, especially in an industry that you don't have anyone to follow. And you're kind of like, again, feeling the dark or trying to cut the path for everyone else to follow. You don't have a map. You don't have guidance. What you figure out is what everybody else uses as the meta to kind of do the next thing. So like the next studio, the next game startup coming after us is definitely going to try and mirror what we're doing, but we can't mirror anyone. So we need to be like accepted that we're going to mess up a lot, but figure out how to use that to our advantage. So what is your number one growth metric? What is that number that you look at every week or every day to indicate that your business is growing? Inquiries. Number of inquiries that you have? Yeah. From people that want to partner? From people? people that want to do, play games? Or? I would say in general, because sometimes people 
reach out who have nothing to do with video games, but just, you know, having the patience sitting down and talking to them creates like a whole different opportunity. Sometimes like, sometimes even parents, like parents make a cry, hey, my son was telling me about blah, blah, blah. And then it's a perfect opportunity to, you know, educate a parent on how these things are not from the devil or how these things can really help your child's IQ and parents have more purchasing power than anyone else. So how do you engineer that inquiries? What are the key things that you do to make sure that you have more inquiries? So we definitely started putting ourselves out there on social media in terms of, you know, random facts and like, you know, having Q and A's like, Hey, did you know, if you play a game for four or five hours, you need to take a break. Or it's like, hey, there's a free event happening on blah, blah, blah dates. So putting little things like that out there kind of makes people comfortable reaching out. Like, okay, these guys know like a lot about this stuff. So someone calls like, hey, I can't connect my Xbox controller to my PC. What do I do? Oh, you need to buy a Bluetooth 4.0 dongle, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, where can I get one from? Oh, check out our store. You know? Yeah, so it's... But I feel like this is more predicated on being like a decent person more than business strategy. You know, mm. just being an evangelist for the cause and always ready to help someone. And that's the theory behind content marketing. There you go. Which is you build an audience that you lead or a tribe that you lead around your product. Exactly. And you keep put yourself out there to create value for the tribe and build a community as much as possible. And then they will trust you. If they trust you, they will buy from you. Exactly. It's also the lack of support that's here. They have no one else to talk to. Where everyone goes like, I'm sorry, we don't support your region. And then they find someone who actually cares how they feel. So which book are you reading at the moment? I just finished a book called The Magician. It's something I've had for a long time, but I never really finished. What is it about? It's about a guy called Pug. It's sort of a medieval setting. It's kind of like quenching my Game of Thrones hunger till... The next season comes out. It's about a kid who was found and, you know, he really doesn't have any talents or skill and then has this other friend who is, you know, good with a sword. But then eventually found, um, finds out that he has an affinity for magic and, you know, goes under training to this magician. And, you know, anything else is a spoiler past that point. But it's a very interesting story. I like how the protagonist wasn't really obvious because I thought it was the other guy. And the book does a very good job of, like, tilting between the two characters. So it's like it's two main characters, so you never really know. Which one is the Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I really liked it. And it's really, it sounds geeky to me. Oh, come on. <laughs> Fine, there's one or two dragons, but it's not geeky. Yeah, there's one or two dragons, it's geeky. <laughs> Which business is getting you excited at the moment, apart from your own business? Let's see. Doman. What does Doman do? Doman delivers donuts. And I think he is... In, in Accra. In Accra. He's the... Um, he's That's the, super niche. Just order donuts. You delivered. think, but then he has become the gourmet donut guy. That's good. I, mean, yeah. I like it. I mean, he's like, niche is good. Niche is I like, saw is like a box and there was like... It looked like something I would order from like another country. There was like one of granites. There was one of like glazed peanut but i was just like this is like food porn like right this is just food porn. and i was just really impressed because i've been hearing very good things about them the delivery the variety and but it was just like i just liked how he was really it's like he was really into it like you can tell because this isn't something that someone just slapped together there was so much variety there was and like, they deliver the, they deliver and the packaging is great even with a uh, with the accra uh really really bad uh, addressing system yeah I, I wouldn't even try and defend it like the street <laughs> names are just, like I had to flip my map just to find 
because their map was taking me to the other side of the road. So I had to like flip and I was like, wait a minute, I'm on the other side. That's something that somebody needs to fix, not waiting for the government. Uh, and speaking of that, even like we're even trying to, the Google Play Store here isn't monetizable, you know? Yeah, so that's something we are forming. Um, by we, I mean the game developers here forming the, the IGDA, the International Game Developers Association, the Ghana chapter. And these are kind of the things that the association needs to try and fix. So in terms of growth and scale, certain things need to be put in place. Like how if you want to make a movie in Hollywood, there's people you go to talk to and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's like we need to do a lot of fixing. Let's talk more work. That's good. Paul? It's a pleasure having you on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I hope I wasn't too dull in terms of my understanding of the gaming industry. But <laughs> we get a lot of you every day. You get a lot of people <laughs> like me. So I really find it very fascinating, especially with, with the correlation between game and, and business and building scalable, uh, sticky product. Thank you very much for coming. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you, and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A dot com and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks. Thanks.